you know what? I think I'm gonna watch the last duel tonight. Gus has been riding my ass to to watch that. He said it's good. Oh, Gus has been riding your ass, huh? Yeah. I, I, yeah. You heard it here, folks. Gus is, is riding Cole's ass. Gus has been riding my ass. Gus, of most controversial, has been f***ing demanding that I watch The Last Duel, directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, the other reason I didn't do it last night was because I uh, I fell asleep after watching only two movies. Never usually happens, but uh, I was particularly tired. I was sleepy. Actually, no, I watched three movies. I forgot because we have to talk about a movie today. <laughs> we have to. Okay. Um, all right. Here, I'll actually, we'll start the episode here. Yeah. We, yeah. <clears throat> a little bit of a cold open for you. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Marvelous or the Death of Cinema. I'm Discourse 2. Uh, hi, I'm I'm Nicole. What's up? I'm, I'm Cole Netscape. And uh, on this episode, we're talking about a, a very special film, a, a unique potpourri blend of genres and styles and all of your favorite intellectual properties all coming together for the first time but hopefully not the last time everybody it is steven spielberg's ready player one based on the novel by ernest klein a man who can't write i i know i know you're like joking but even even like joking that it's good is like you shouldn't It's, I, hope I hope the car or house that Spielberg bought with this paycheck was really nice. You know, he had his eye on a good one, you know. Oh, you could I, buy I, a car. For the money he got for this, you, you could buy, like, uh, a house and a car and uh, another house and nice, another car. I hope it was a nice house. I I'm, really do. I'm not entirely really... convinced that, like, I, I'm thinking either Spielberg was, like... I. I mean, even if he did legit, like there on the one hand, you can say like, oh, he genuinely wanted to do this. But like part of me wants to believe he was like blackmailed into it by like David Gavin and all the other Hollywood pedophiles or like this was like. Yeah, David, David, David Gavin's got like Betamax video of what really happened to Heather Rourke. Or like this was a Robert Zemeckis project that through like some sort of drama he had to step away from and then spielberg just slapped his name on it because maybe there's something on the wikipedia uh let's let's uh or or maybe steven spielberg led the necromantic uh uh seance that they did in order to recreate that scene from the shining uh, uh, well, we'll we'll get to that. Um, God, we'll I've get got to some, that. I've got some notes on uh, read some interviews that where Spielberg talked about this movie. Oh. It's always hard to parse that <laughs> well, stuff. There's a really funny anecdote in the on the Wikipedia page for this. Uh, um, American should, musician, should... <laughs> American musician Moby. Oh yeah, tried to make the book into a movie. And then he found uh, out Spielberg was already doing it. Like just in like 2016, Moby, yeah. independent of anything else, was like, "I'm going to make a Ready Player One movie." And then it was found out they're already <laughs> making one and gave up. <laughs> Moby, Moby's interesting to me because he's like the the most f- fell off you can get. Where you like you make some of the greatest like pop electronic music of the the late 1990s, early 2000s. You know, you really you really bridge the gap between like house and mainstream pop music and then uh and now all you do is like like morrissey type shit but over like edm covers of your classics 
Now, now all you do is just just get get a high hatted by Natalie Portman when you try to talk yeah, about that how you too, yeah. her when she was barely legal. That too, yeah, yeah he's uh, a bitch made. Um, but, um, we got we got some news we got to cover first. At the top yeah, of the hour. first. In the news. Well, well, first before we do that, Miguel, um, I, I hope you have taps. On on file because queue up taps. I assumed that was what the news was going to be. Yeah, that is. Yeah, it is the news. You're. Yeah. Before we do the news, the Nicole news. has broken into the radio station and with a gun and has, <laughs> has has killed our poor our poor saintly newsboy uh, Stu. I got banned from Twitter, people, over a perfect joke. You killed Stu. You got blood all over his nice like two dollar straw hat and. Uh, you know, tweed suit, and now he, he he'll never be able to like a never like be a able to say extra, extra or something extra extra news boy has yeah. sucking chest wound death imminent read all about it <laughs> he was doing like a little like RKO you know radio sound so I was, I was playing into it uh but yeah to to make an official statement if you didn't realize uh my account got nuked because i posted a cropped squidward meme the uh the one like we're gonna kill you with uh just david saslav's name and yep banned off twitter so that is now the second member of marvelous who have officially had their account nuked uh for speaking truth to power dare i say i think Um, you just really got to stop posting squidward I, yeah. I apparently apparently Squidward's bad luck, but uh, moving on, the Flash continues to massively underperform, and it is now a bigger bomb than the Green Lantern. And guess what? You can now watch the Flash in full HD on your TV and and see uh, uncanny uh, Christopher Reeve and uh, very smooth Nicolas Cage. More like the Flash. Uh, radio DJ toilet sound effect. I don't, I don't have any news. Uh, uh, well, it's in. It's, it's the, on the, the note it's the sheet. 1930s. Do, you, do you have the note sheet? Oh, oh no! Hold on. I was I was going to make a joke about how I wasn't allowed in the radio um, station. But yeah, so uh, we've also got the uh, the writers' strike has expanded to include uh, the actors. Good. Uh, and there's Good. Uh, rumors going at IATSE, the union for like crew. Uh, might uh, go on strike also really yeah it could be the whole uh the whole uh kit and caboodle that would make um, sense because they almost triggered they almost triggered a, a similar um cascading strike uh i believe in 2019 or 2020 yeah i mean it there's a lot of things kind of in terms of labor and economics that were coming to a head right before covid and covid and the 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 government intervention it necessitated sort of created a a temporary reprieve from all that. Like uh, it, it kind of uh, just sort of was like a timeout for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but now we're back. Um, and on that note, uh, uh, Bob Iger now back in control of Disney is looking at selling off all of their TV networks. Uh, this was in Bloomberg. Uh, FX, ABC, ESPN, uh, trying to restructure their streaming business, uh, pulled out because they're deeply in debt from the Lucasfilm and the and the Fox buyouts. 
And there's also a longstanding rumor uh, also in that Bloomberg article. And I, this makes sense to me. I kind of thought this was going to happen for a long time now at some point of uh, just selling the whole company to Apple, merging with Apple to create oh, a, God. A, a, like a total that- vertically integrated <sighs> thing where the company that makes your phone and your TV and the chips in them also owns and controls the content you and produces it that you watch on. Because Apple's got their own streaming yeah. service, right? They make that yeah. uh, Rob McElhenney show about video game developers. That's okay. They, they uh, do the foundation show as well. Uh, oh, do, I forgot that was and a they thing. I read, read a couple Lasso. of those books when I was a kid. Um, oh, yeah, right. That, I, that I, I, don't, I, don't, I would be really surprised if they ended up buying the full company, but uh, yeah, you're definitely going to see like... I, I, a merger uh, seems... Like it's, uh, Apple takes Apple's got huge cash reserves. Unlike a lot of companies and tech companies, they're not in a lot of debt. They've got to just cash, so they can I, I, buy I Disney, pay that? off yeah. Disney's debt, and then between the two of them, you have this complete end-to-end ownership of whatever's on your screen, right? In terms, I do in, see um, that, but I also think that buyout season is kind of uh, is kind of jover uh, because of how like the Microsoft took so long to. Uh, do that Blizzard buyout that now like Blizzard lost like a half of their valuation or whatever. I mean, in this case, if it's like a voluntary merger of two companies or the shareholders of both want it to happen and Apple's got, again, like they've got cash reserves, they don't have to raise debt. Yeah, but the FCC, I think the FCC would, would, because the one, the one decent thing that the that the Biden administration has done is like given the FCC some balls again, and that they like really or the FTC. Uh, they, or are they or really, are they cracking down on like antitrust yeah. stuff? Well, oh, that's, okay, that's that the changed, whole reason. That that's the whole reason things. what happened yeah. with the buyout with Microsoft was that it was literally just FTC complaints that uh, took like a, a, over a year to resolve and. As a and after like it, it it happened during the the launch of Overwatch two and so Blizzard lost like so much of their value. Okay, maybe that does change things. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I I actually didn't know that anything had changed there. I just but what you're what you're hadn't. definitely no yeah what you're definitely gonna see is like fucking uh so many so many of the random bullshit that Disney owns is definitely going to get sold off or spun off sort of how square Enix started selling off a bunch of their, their shit to, uh, to random companies. Well, that's what happens. You, go, you take on all this debt to buy other companies and give the illusion of growth by just absorbing yeah. other company failing. Com- they're always failing. Cause that's, what you can afford to buy them. And then suddenly you're have all this debt, all the debt you absorbed from another company. And then, all the same problems that company had before you bought them. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing that's going to go is probably Hulu. Uh, I mean, who the fuck wants, they've been, yeah, they've been trying to merge Hulu with Disney plus for a while, but like, I, and I don't know exactly why, but it hasn't, it's taken too fucking long. Maybe they're, what I, what I, I think mean, it's probably it's is Hulu. So it's, many, the, it's the, it's the streaming service that even when you pay for it, you still get ads. Who the fuck wants it? Yeah. They do have an ad-free uh, version now, but uh, oh, they yeah, do. It does, oh. yeah. Mo- that's the that's the thing that it's that sucks is that most of the Hulu bundles are the the ad one, and the Spotify one is the is the with ads. Um. Yeah, I think I think Hulu's gone. Uh, ESPN's gone. All their TV networks are probably 
I, th- I I don't know if they'll. I think they'll keep ABC just because that's like a core. No, it said in the article they're looking to get rid channel. of ABC too. I would be really surprised if they got rid of ABC. I, I think they're they're they, looking they they're looking so forward much... and they're saying like you know like all the people who watch broadcast TV are going to be dead within a decade. Yeah, yeah, but like they get contract money on that shit. You know, they get like government contract money from their fucking. From just being one of like the three television stations that still exist. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's what that's what the Bloomberg article said was ABC. That would, is one of the I, no, I, 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 uh, I see it on the I see it on the quote that we have here in the in the run sheet. But I would just be really surprised if uh, if they got rid of um, if they got rid of ABC because that would be really stupid, honestly. Because it's 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 to, network television is essentially it's free money. It's it free is. Money. It, you just like you just collect. Uh, you like you license out all your your shit to local regional television stations, and then you suck up the the majority of the ad money from that, and then um, you just you know buy like Seinfeld rerun rights for the next 30 years for 25 cents. And then that, you know, puts butts in seats and they'll fucking stare at commercials until their eyes rot over. <laughs> All right. But, uh, that's yeah, the how news. Do we, how do we gracefully segue moving, out, uh, out of that? <laughs> uh, Nicole, could you, uh, uh, ease us into our uh, um, our topic proper with a reading of uh, a, a certain poem by Ernest Klein who uh, began his writing career as a slam poet. Um I'm I am not going to read that. I am not going to read that and instead I'm going to provide Miguel with a uh, link to a reading of it on YouTube and uh, uh, up to his discretion to to pull whatever uh, passage he thinks appropriate. What is it called? Nerd? Nerd Pornature. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer-swilling, sports-bar-dwelling alpha males. Men who like their women stupid and submissive. Men who who can only get it up for monosyllabic cock-hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three-word vocabulary. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injectioned, liposunctioned women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way they've been told to look. These aren't real women, they're objects, and these movies aren't erotic, they're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on, they disgust me. And it's not that I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy and guys need porn. Fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein. Guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynist, he-man, woman-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who, are, who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and horned-rimmed glasses. Betty Finabowski, the valedictorian. Oh, yes. First, I want to copy her trig homework, and then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. Summa cum laude, baby. That is what I call erotic. 
so that's an introduction to our uh, our uh, stalwart science fiction author. Heavy quotes on all of those words, uh, Ernest Klein, and I think a good reason to not give him an abundance of the benefit of the doubt in terms of interpreting his work or the film adaptation. Uh, I read the book. I read the book in preparation for this episode. Sue did his fucking homework and suffered for it. He did. This guy looks like he sucks. Oh, he... He looks like a he looks fatter ex- <laughs> He looks exactly guy. how you think he would. Yeah. He does not well, look I'm like James I'm looking on the Gunn. Wikipedia page, and the, the, the film was, was like Warner Brothers paid him for the film rights before they, the book even they bought yeah the, there was a, okay yeah. so the book comes out in 2011 it's like finished in 2010 apparently there were multiple editors on it you could have fooled me um there was immediately a bidding war between publishers and this the film rights were sold before the book was published uh, they they had already decided it was going to be a hit before it came out which like god if you read it it's just impossible to figure out why anybody liked this book. It's really terrible. Uh, he has, like, a, I'm, I'm looking at his influences and there's a certain, I, I think I'm starting to develop like a, like a nose for knowing when someone is just like the biggest hack on the planet, because one of their, one of their influences that they'll always cite is, uh, is John Hughes, uh, yeah. filmmaker, <laughs> screenwriter. All and over. I like, I like some of his work, you know, uh, but the way people will act like he was the Stanley Kubrick of, yeah, like of the of making like CW movies for for kids, you know, like they, these are movies for babies, and they're 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 well made baby movies, but people act like he was a god for. It's- I mean, I like guess if you were if you were thirteen in in nineteen eighty four, because there's another there's another massive hack that was a huge John Woo or uh, John John head. John Woo head. No, and, and that's that's if you remember. Uh, actually, he's we talked about this on another episode, but it's it was Kevin Feige is a huge John oh Hughes yeah fan that's and right demanded that the Spider Man film be like. The yeah. John Hughes movie, not good. That is not very good. Because uh, this, yeah. So the whole thing with the book and with Ernest Klein is that it is just peak Gen X nerd guy, like same <laughs> exact demographic as like Kevin Smith and. Um, Actually, no, this is worse than Kevin Smith. No, this is undoubtedly no, it's the worse. same demographic. Like Kevin, same demographic. Same demographic, but. Kevin Smith has like a heart at the very least. It, it, it is no, definitely just... aiming for the people that get for the people that were supposed to get excited when Nicolas Cage Superman showed up. Yeah, yeah, class. no, it's yeah. it's it's guys who were adolescents and actually were adolescents and teenagers in the eighties and who have like a very like they're they're like I mean, comic book guy in the Simpsons is I think an even older type of nerd a bit, but they're they're kind of like that, but they're more. Uh, earnest soft boy ish kind of taste, but but otherwise just very much just like in love with brands, in love with IP. Never, you 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 know, just just kind of like mentally never stopped being fourteen. 
Yeah. Um, in a lot of, and, and like very like convinced that let me, let me, let me put this into something that, let me sum this up a little bit better. Uh, there's a, there's a place called Austin, Texas. And there's like, <laughs> this guy is Israel and you'll never believe where Ernest Klein got this, got their start. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Which was at the Austin slam poetry scene, which I think oh. that would be like uh, walking into the Austin slam poetry scene would be like fucking opening up the, the Chernobyl reaction. Well, our, our, our audience now knows what that sounds like. Like this is, this, this is what you're getting when you go there. Yes. Which is a, a guy yeah. who is, who is a chubby chaser, but he thinks that makes him like woke and special. And he has like contempt for, for conventionally hot women for being conventionally hot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, a guy. What if, yeah. It's a on. guy who would have carved uh Carrie from Mythbusters face into his. Into his <laughs> God. He thought it would get, but you know, just... there's a, there's a type of like, cause, cause that, that's true. They are, they do always end up with like, with, with, uh, with a, uh, sort of chubby girl with dyed hair. Uh, that, is basically just uh, an, an uh, a copy of my uh, my high school ex that wrote fan fiction and was like fan fiction famous. But they that they want to carry from MythBusters, you know. They want they want uh, 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 Jan- not January Jones. Uh, who's the the redhead from <laughs> January Jones? Oh, Christina, Christina Hendricks. Hendricks. But no, 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 Christina she's... Hendricks. But specifically from Firefly. I mean, yeah, probably also, but like this guy, he's like, if you read the book too, like, cause in the book, all the characters are, are fat, greasy, acne studded nerds. And in the movie, they make everybody much more telegenic. Isn't a major plot point, like him getting unfat. And uh, the main character does, but nobody else does. But like his love interest in the book is like. You know what? I don't know. They they give her stats at one point because he's looking at the dossier that the bad guys have on her, and it's straight up like five foot six, one hundred and sixty five pounds. That's um, a normal woman. This li- yeah, that's literally a normal that's, woman. That's a normal. That's the average. That's like the average for Americans. Yeah, that's if, if not. A yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm just, just saying, woman, like, that's just a woman that has an ass. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, but he, he, he thinks. To, but no, I, no, I get it. She's supposed he, to be He's like got like this weird, yeah. like he's like fetishistic about. Oh, I like normal women and not the kind of women the jocks like. You know, like, no, yeah, it's his... it's a guy. It's it's a guy <laughs> who 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 talks about like a woman with. Like that doesn't have a thigh gap in the way that like the the, the Pope talks about the Holy Grail. You know? Well, he, like, yeah. Well, it's he's 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 the same type of guy as like the kind of guy that's like what is was oh the the, the Margot Robbie is mid guys. Oh he's my god, the same type of guy, but with the flip with the with an inverted yeah. sense with uh, aesthetic Where he's, he's like actually, I think I I deserve a I deserve a pat on the back for. Uh, Margot Robbie's mid because she's too skinny and blonde. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I deserve a pat Twitter on the back. Twitter's so lucky for, I was banned. I would have waited that, on that. That weighs fifteen more pounds than Margot Robbie. You know, it has yeah. maybe an inch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that that's kind of who he is, and and then the movie um, has the same basic skeleton of the book, but the details are changed around a lot um, to make it. Well, to make it even kind of 
resemble a movie because the, the book is just like in the movie the big challenges are, are kind of like well, well, oh, first, we're, first we're give, us a, a, give us a background on the world of ready player one okay you know, all right yeah is, all right i'll try and summarize um Plot and it's summary. Plot more summary. or less the same in the in the book and the movie. Um, it's the 2040s. It's uh, a, a climate apocalypse dystopia that the more you poke at it, the more it doesn't really seem to make sense. Like like there's widespread poverty. There's pedophile rape gangs roaming the ghettos. This he the stacks which Wait, are just what? mobile homes piling. Oh, there's a throwaway line in the book where he's like, you know, whenever I leave my stack of mobile home trailers to go to virtual school, I have to dodge the, the roaming pedophiles. Which by um, the dude, if we lived in a world where like the fucked up cyberpunk mega towers were just trailer parks stacked on top of each other, I would kill myself so fast it would make your head <laughs> It's it's like the it's like one of it's like one of maybe two ideas or images out of the book that was even like remotely sort of interesting. Um you know he stole that. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I don't uh, think there's a creative Someone told me that was in Snow body. Crash, but I haven't read Snow Crash in so long. I don't remember. Um, but uh, so so the world's gone to shit. And so everybody spends all their time and does everything in virtual reality. Uh, they're fucking in virtual reality. They're going to school in virtual reality. They're gaming in virtual reality. Uh, they're doing business in virtual reality, and it's all the same virtual virtual reality system, which operates on like Eve Online and World of Warcraft rules. So, like in the book, the bad guys can invade the planet where all the schools are, and they have to move all the schools to a copy of that planet. It's really this stupid. Is just um, bad game design, like. It doesn't make any sense. Like not even in in, only, in a, in a pedantic CinemaSins way, but it doesn't yeah. make sense in just a basic like like I'm taken out of the story because I'm just like what like the like the yeah. admins can't just delete the bad guys spaceships if they wanted to like they it's it's yeah, really there would stupid. Not, there would not be a corporate product where you could theoretically do a school shooting. To, to yeah, like and they, they like, the book in particular bends over backwards to make VR as like follow real life rules in certain ways as much as possible, just to create arbitrary obstacles of the plot. Because otherwise, you run into the problem of oh, writing an action adventure story in VR doesn't work because it's it's a video game and you can do whatever you want and there's no stakes. Uh, so, so they just make shit up. These are the layers on these excuses for why, oh yeah, you need fuel for your spaceship to travel in virtual reality. Um, that only, that only works in like, in, in MMOs like EVE Online, where it is a punishment simulator for, you know, people whose penises. Yeah. But it's, anymore. it's also where people are doing business too. Like yeah, it's also it's like, Zoom this, this yeah. and PayPal Online and isn't everything the most else. Popular video game of all yeah. time, you know, it's but like, like Nobody wants to do like actual business or diplomacy or whatever in WoW or EVE Online. They would do it in a completely different system, even if it's in VR. And this book just lumps everything into the video game world so it can have its crazy pop culture reference action on. Um, but uh, so the main plot is there's this um, combination of. Uh, like Howard uh, Hughes and John Carmack and Richard Garriott who invented the virtual reality everybody uses. And he's an autistic guy who loves 
old pop culture and video games and can't relate to people. And then he dies. And when he dies, he leaves behind uh, a, a big stupid contest where everybody has to solve really stupid riddles. And they no, say what he died all of his, from? no old age. I don't know. I think it was hemorrhoids. I think, and, I think it was, <laughs> I think so he, they, I think it, I think his entire ass just like fucking no. crystallized <laughs> sitting so, down developing oh. VR. And then his hobbies his hobbies are like going to Chuck E. Cheese and playing an arcade game. Like So everyone that guy's has stools to, are mostly blood. In the book, one of the set pieces is a recreation of the knockoff Chuck E. Cheese that he went to. So he, um, so so everybody in the book has to solve his really stupid riddles and know all of his favorite stupid pop culture, and then all of the challenges in the book are like, you're dropped into a virtual recreation of war games as Matthew Broderick, and you have to perfectly recreate everything he says and does, and then when he's not on screen, you just watch the movie, or you 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 go into the Tomb of Horrors, the Dungeons and Dragons adventure module, and you face the Lich, and uh, you have to play Joust against him. Uh, so because that's all like, or it's like, oh, you have to get a high score in Pac-Man because all that stuff's like really stupid and boring. The movie, um, changes most of it around. And like, it starts with like a, a Mario Kart race instead. Yeah. Um, where no one thought to drive backwards over the course of how many years? Five years. It's still, yeah. Like the riddles are that are even, are even dumber. In the I, if this, was, really if this was real, yeah. like a, an autistic Brazilian guy would have did, to figured them immediately. out in seconds on Twitch. Immediately. Like, if you've and ever then, watched speed running documentaries, which I really recommend, they're really fun. Uh, I've it's like yeah, documentaries, people... but uh, seen speed. Oh, running. dude, there's some fantastic speed running. But um, on YouTube. to to finish the the plot summary, it's it's uh, uh, Wade Watts, our protagonist, Artemis, the girl he has a crush on, who in real life I fucked her is uh just there has like is. a blemish, and then his friend H, who turns out to be in the in the book a, a big fat black lesbian, but in the movie it's just a, a normal it's looking black wave. woman, yeah, it's who wave. may or may it's not Tracy be a lesbian, Chapman. and then and then. Um, you know, she instead of an iron giant, she actually just has a really giant fast car. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, uh, and it's 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 this race between them. And in the book, they take forever to actually start properly working together for contrived stupid reasons. Uh, and then it's them versus the big evil corporation that is cartoonishly puppy kicking evil because they have to be contrasted with the good company that owns virtual reality that you get to be the boss of and be super that rich if so you win weird. the contest was that the um, evil company was like the like people that like in venezuela that farm like fucking uh runescape currency yeah is well they've got like a whole team of guys just, trying to that are, that are doing wagey work to win the contest but yeah but no wagey who's just in it for the money can beat the heart of a true honest to God nerd who, despite being a teenager in the 2040s, who has like perfect virtual reality, just fucking loves some like 1982 role-playing game with shitty line art. Uh, on the fucking Commodore 64. Yeah. <laughs> there um, are no references in anything in this game to anything past like 1995. No, there's, there's no references in the book. Uh, okay. Firefly. Yeah. There's like early 2000s, like Reddit nerd, Gen X nerd stuff. It's it's mostly 1980s, but kind of runs the gamut of like, oh, there's in the book, there's an entire sector for Joss Whedon stuff of virtual reality. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, a, uh, 
It's like, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah if you walk in there. The movie old- is like saturated with reference stuff, but the plot mostly doesn't hinge actually hinge on it that much. It's it's more just scene setting in comparison to the book. In the book, it's so much see, a more I, pressing. See, they talk about the like, Joss Whedon ghetto in like the, the right wing the VR right wingers talk about that. Like they like right wingers now talk about like Harlem. <laughs> there's also in in the book um there's a passage where because it's all written in first person like like a blog post which is like a real get out of jail free card for shitty writing yeah. and uh yeah. one of the passages he's like well i don't vote in the real elections because the real elections are bullshit but i vote in the virtual reality elections because they're what matter and every every year i cast my ballot it, they don't explain how the virtual reality government works just there is some kind of election for it even though it's a private business and every every time he votes he votes for cory doctorow and will wheaton hell yes damn dude i was gonna do an obama joke but that's so much better ernest klein we are coming to your house and we are going to also his so his career in hollywood and like having anyone buy his screenplays or option his books starts with him writing the original screenplay for the movie fanboys if anyone remembers that um, uh, sure. I- and uh, the the two people who helped get that movie made are two uh, notorious sex predators. One, Harry Knowles, repulsive goblin, founder of Ain't It Cool News, which was once a website that mattered like 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And, um, and the no, other I'm not, guy. I'm not joking. I do. The other yeah, guy and the, and the other on guy trial. who who was a producer on Fanboys who really got the movie off the ground, Kevin Spacey. Yep. Yep. It, it was produced it was by the Weinstein Company. Yep. That would be so cool. That's so cool. Oops, all pedophiles. Yeah. No, no, it's it's Hollywood sickos all the way down. Um, that would be like if the People versus George Lucas was produced by like Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> <laughs> um. And uh, one of the I reasons got, got, he started I went on writing, the plane, nobody ever touched my lightsaber. One of the reasons <laughs> uh, Klein started writing prose apparently is because the final version of Fanboys wasn't what he wanted it to be. And I, from what I gleaned from the interview, part of the reason of that is that too many of the jokes in the final movie were at the expense of fucking terrible nerds. It was too mean to them. Uh, we need to bring bullying back. So he guys. had to write his book where you can just find nothing embarrassing about your ultimate fantasy being playing a video game where you can put the Ghostbusters logo on the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Uh, which is really the worst thing about all this stuff is that the the wild ultimate fantasy, uh, wish fulfillment fantasy, is just a really good video game with all your favorite guys in it. That's the limits it's, of it's your imagination. It's they just already had that too. when the yeah. book came or when the movie came out. It was Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. Fortnite. Well, I think Fortnite really started doing that after the movie came out, didn't they? Like the there's just the licensing skins of. Like, uh, IP when did the movie come really out? Heavily? 2018. 2018. We're still in 2018. The book really came out in 2018. Like six, six months before, I would say. So it's possible. But uh, but Fortnite does that in an entirely more respectful way, where the one the video <laughs> yeah. game isn't stupid. Like it's a it's a it's a it's a battle no, royale. Bull, cooking. At least at least the battle at least the battle royale makes a as as a as an as a popular format makes sense. 
I would never play EVE Online because it's like, what if you spent four hours just to die and like lose hundreds of real dollars? That's that's sadomasochistic shit. That's that's getting a, a, it is. a whole yeah, fucking and fist up the your thing, ass. And that doesn't make sense in the book or the movie is everyone wants these like perfectly immersive VR suits where it's like you get shot and you feel it. And it's like, why would I want to feel it if I got shot? Yeah, why would why I want to feel why would myself I want getting that? kicked in the dick? What is the point of that? I, I would, but just only like once. I just want to like, know. Okay, like once. Like. Yeah. But like, you're like trying to like, you're like in this virtual reality contest where you want to win. It's like you want to not feel pain, maybe. Yeah, no. That might be an the, advantage. The phase the clan of the Oasis is, is playing that shit on a CRT. Like they're fucking, they're not, they're not using any of that VR shit, dude. They're not using any of the... <laughs> They're playing that shit keyboard mouse dog. They're but there is, and you know, I have to explain, in the movie, there is like original character. I think they even solicited people to submit their OCs just to fill out the backgrounds. Oh, um, so funny. The, 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 oh. the, the movie does have like original characters and set design and like, or at least like eclectic mixes of stuff. In, in the book, everything is like, like aside from like slightly modifying the DeLorean with other references, everything is a slavish recreation. There's no playful collage. There's no original inventions. That's there's so no funny. mention of any contemporary culture existing, except he briefly alludes to there still being Saturday Night Live somehow. Um, God, how dog shit. We think it's bad now. <laughs> Even it's, in Fortnite, even in Gary's mod, even in fucking Second well, Life, you thing. have people making OCs. We have v, you know VR chat, um, source filmmaker stuff. Like, there's more. Even when people are just like combining stock assets in kind of novel ways, like a like a Terry Gilliam animation sort of cutout thing. There's there, like you heard Second it here Life. First? There's who is pro Skibidi toilet. Yeah, <laughs> but there's there's but that that all has more creativity and imagination than the wish fulfillment virtual world Ernest Klein cooked up. Like it, it it's, it's, Absolutely. it's, it's so mentally like the, like, like the imagination is so dead. It's such a, a psychically dead world in, in a way that's even more dystopian than the reality. Like, that's so funny and yet that it's the, the part that's supposed to be cool more, and exciting. It's more pot, slightly more positive just because they have like, you know, uh, a guy like being like, what if my character like looked like Superman, but also had like a tactical vest or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, 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 we'll, 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 we'll move on from the book now. I think yeah. um, I'll, there'll be a link to my Twitter thread. If you're, if anybody's like really curious to get kind of the nitty gritty of it. Um, uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it's like, it was hard for me to really hate this movie. It's a bad movie. It was hard for me to really hate it because it just, the book is so much fucking worse. Like however bad this movie is, the book is so much worse. You can't even imagine. I didn't, I, I didn't even really, really like have a chance to get mad at it. Other than just like the fact you gave it half a star, it, like I did though. Oh yeah, I, I did. It's, it. it's just a bad, it's a bad movie, but it's like your eyes just slide. Off. Like I, I, I didn't even recognize half the references. Because everything in this looks like, uh, like a trailer for uh, like an E three trailer, you know, like yeah, like it's, people, it's like there's it, just it looks like, it there's looks so like much the, shit on screen at any given time. Your eyes just can't fixate on anything. It also because it has that kind a, of desaturated color grading too. And it's there's a, a very, f- very famous set of I think they're like literally MMO trailers by Bioware for the Star Wars MMOs. 
And people love like like Reddit Star Wars guys love to be like, this is what Star Wars should look like because it's just it's this. It's like shiny and epic and has slight callbacks to what they they used to know, but it's different and it's you know awesome. A, sho- a, a shocking number of brief but visible Duke Nukem appearances. Which that is was like, weird. Who was, who was yeah. thinking about Duke Nukem in 2018, man? Uh, there were right. some weird cameos. Nicole, you were thinking that. about Duke Nukem in 2018? No, but I, um, I, I want to say this was I, I didn't read the book because I don't value reading garbage. I already have to watch enough garbage for this. <laughs> I don't value reading. Um, so this was this was my first exposure to it. Um, I mean, I, I knew this was like going in. I was like unsure of like is is spielberg directing going to make this better or is spielberg directing going to make this worse oh it was so much worse than i ever could have envisioned um we we didn't record our watch together because cole couldn't make it um, but we streamed it for our patrons and um i i had probably the worst mental breakdown i've ever experienced watching a movie um it was like watching all of my family members being lined up and shot and then having their bodies like yeah, fucked with in front of my eyes. Um, Miguel, <laughs> Miguel, um, through through the magic and to our audiences, through the magic of, of editing, I'm going to have Miguel recreate my reaction to uh, what I what I have decided to just call the rape of the shining. Turn it off. <laughs> Apparently, at one point, a police car drove past my apartment, and all the everyone in the chat thought someone had called a wellness check on me. <laughs> it was a it was a powerful freakout. Um, I started crying. I actually started crying like the like the hor- it was like the end of come and see, just the horror <laughs> unfolding in front of my eyes. Um, I, 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 I openly started talking about how I had I had just watched like Necromantic two and that there is like a really graphic scene where like a, a seal cub is like dissected and I'm like I would rather watch that again. Oh yeah, I'd rather watch Cannibal Holocaust. Oh my god! Oh, well, Cannibal Holocaust has artistry to it. This does not. This had nothing but this movie uh, (laughs) using the tried and true Kanye West fan method of uh, except instead of saying he he made graduation over and over again, I just was like he made the Fablements right after this. Like he made West Side Story. Like I mean, I I understand this was probably probably a one for you one for me thing but like Stu, you oh, dug up like a ton of just quotes where like Spielberg is like dare yeah. i say like just sucking off the sort of nostalgia aspect of this so, so that's that's the thing is monstrosity is a lot of the like like you know steven spielberg is created a lot of the touchstones for the classic gen x nerd 80s movie guy you know indiana oh, jones yeah. uh uh executive producing back to the future uh jurassic park jurassic, we get the t-rex uh, jurassic, jurassic, we have it in the movie yeah um, the movie he's 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 their guy 
And um, it's kind of a curious thing that he, in one way, it's like an obvious that he makes this movie. In another way, it's kind of a curious one because it's, it's such a, um, it's so on the nose. And he made this at the same time he was making The Post, uh, which is funny enough. But I have some quotes from him on like working on this movie. Uh, so this was an interview with Spielberg and Collider right before the movie came out. Um, I have a most intimate relationship with nostalgia. Since I was 11 or 12 years old, I started taking 8mm movies of my family on camping trips when I was a kid growing up in Arizona. When videotape came in, I started taking... In the Fableman. I'm by literally the way. in the middle of reading a quote. <laughs> you can't. You dick ride for the Fableman so hard. You like can't help yourself. It's so good. It's so I good. I haven't seen it yet. When videotape came in, I started taking videotapes. Today in my life, I do all the videos of my own family growing up. Every single year, I have a really great editor in our office, and he cuts together the whole year of the life of my family with all the children and grandchildren. We have, a little, we have little screenings of what's called the annual family video. I basically live in nostalgia. That might be the main reason I reacted or responded so positively to Ernie's book and Zach's script. I'm living that way most of my life. Ernie. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what he goes by, like in his day to day life, uh, which is so funny. He, he looks like he, you know what? He also, Ernest Klein also looks like a guy who's just like disgustingly, freakishly into like DMing girls to be like, I want to eat your pussy so bad. My queen <laughs> sit on my face. Like, I, I could see that. Yeah. Disgusting, smelliest, like you've ever seen in your life. So, um, yeah. I I don't know, like, because there is obviously yeah, what happened that here? deeply. Well, I mean, I think Spielberg. I mean, I mean, it's hard to say with this stuff because it's it's when the movie's coming out, you're always gonna just say something positive. You're gonna have your marketing exactly. line, your fed. But I mean, if we're gonna take any of that at face value, I, I think he is just. Um, there's another quote I I got from him in here somewhere where he talks about how he doesn't revisit his own work a lot or introspect a lot because he's such a workaholic so he's keeping himself busy so at the same time he's a really sentimental nostalgic guy but he's also not maybe necessarily deeply critically reevaluating a lot of this stuff um so like he might just be like a similar personality personality type that way um and and he might look and i think maybe you know if you're not of our generation, if if you're not like so steeped in this stuff that you've kind of turned against it, um, if you're an older guy um, and someone who's you know in a pretty satisfying position in life, you you might look at all this stuff is is not like it might still be novel. The idea of like oh man, what if I put all these different characters from all these different movies in one thing together? That might still be like a novel, exciting idea. If you're like so old that you didn't burn out that circuit by age fifteen <laughs> and grow out of it. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think it's just, it, it appeals to like, if, 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 you know, if Spielberg has like his worst traits, which are like, yeah, overly sentimental kind of saccharine Americana sensibility, yeah. then this, this movie maybe just appealed to the, the worst in him. Um, or maybe he's just telling people That's what they want to hear. Cause this was just a pure, you know, they, I make That's this and you let me you make the fablements that he's never, introspected on his work because now i'm wondering like if that's true I, I wonder if the fablemans was straight up the first time he ever looked at himself critically maybe uh, that i mean that would be interesting if he he came out of this and was just like 
Well, I mean, what do I think about all the nostalgia stuff and, and all of this? Like that movie is, is raw, dude. It is, it is, it is the it, most uncomfortable Steven Spielberg movie you will ever watch. Like I, it, yeah. Having, having not seen the Fablemans yet, but having seen like, like a, most people, a fair share of Steven Spielberg movies, he's, you know, basically in name, practically synonymous with the American block. He's the guy who invented the goddamn blockbuster for, all intents and purposes that watching this, it was like throughout the whole thing. I was like, this is the guy who gave us jaws, Jurassic park, Schindler's list, like all these fucking like incredible movies. And, and just like, again, even part of me is thinking he, he just directed like all maybe just showed up on set to direct like the, the IRL, like, real life scenes whereas everything else got like previs this movie did have substantial pre-visualization yeah. by the third floor who basically functionally direct most of the mcu stuff we so. I, we gotta kill we gotta bankrupt third floor we gotta break oh, yeah. into their headquarters and um they destroy gotta get all of their all of their machines they're they're we gotta they we gotta do some like weather we gotta do like now. weather underground shit to the third floor so um they probably all killed themselves by now now that like DC's been or Marvel's been doing slavery for VFX. And reading some of the yeah, and, and reading some of the other interviews, I, I reading some of the other interviews, I got the sense that Spielberg saw like the inclusion of the Iron Giant as a pilotable mech that the uh, one of the characters just uses to fight a battle. Missing doing the points of Iron Giant shining sequence. Complete. Um <laughs> Sorry. He saw those as like like homages to people he respects and is friends with. Um, uh, if that's an homage, that's uh, then uh, digging up a corpse and and fucking it is is about the highest honor so you it, can give a dead person. Yeah, I, I think that does suggest that was, dis- like, that was genuinely disgusting to watch. I I it was yeah. I I can't express. I'm I'm sorry to harp on that part, but like. Part of it was just how meticulously it was recreated for me, like even like the film green, and then just having a bunch of fucking like VR chat dopes and and Lena Waithe vo- voicing this like giant like orc monster like bumbling around them all giving this awful soy dialogue shit. It was it it was like someone having explosive diarrhea all over like the Sistine Chapel. It, it was horrifying to watch. I've never seen The Shining. Is it really scary? Uh, I have to watch it through my fingers. Yeah, I, I think I, I think we can stop beating that dead horse. Uh, but I, 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 I want to keep beating that dead horse. Uh, so okay, yeah. So so leaving that uh, that that uh, equine corpse aside, um, I think he, he Spielberg might just totally he not did ai he did yeah, AI. I, he knows he knows how to like he knows the rec way to honor kubrick's memory this was the worst thing he could have done i think i think he might just be so disconnected by i don't know both a generation gap and then the wealth and then the position he occupies and then kind of where culture was at that point in time that it just does not i guess didn't occur to him yeah, it just just does not see yeah, it I think through the lens we see. Very, it. Um, it's a very twilight. It's not. Zone an ex- it's not an excuse for me. But okay, have. no, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm just saying yeah. like like 
he's he's I think on he's very much just taking this stuff completely at face value, which is probably what makes yeah. him such a successful popular entertainer is that he's actually very much like his audience in is, is in a lot of ways. Um, I think to most people, the idea of like is a synthetic recreation of my friend's work, like disrespectful, hasn't quite entered people's con- public consciousness just yet. Like that's a very, it's a, it's a very like Twilight Zone thought to have, where it's like, yeah. oh, that's fucked up, but it's gonna be in like the future when it's like. Well, no, I think real. most yeah. people just go, oh, cool, it's The Shining. Like I exactly. think, like I think Steven if, Spielberg's if you, on the same wavelength as like your average you. moviegoer in a lot of ways, and that's why he's successful. No, I really, um, I, the, I swear to God, why the the Shining sequel made a bunch of money? Where it's like it's most people don't like. Well, well, first of all, Doctor Sleep up. was actually pretty okay. Second of all, I as soon as we finished the movie. I went through all of my letterbox like follows for for to check what everyone had rated Ready Player One. Uh, immediately unfollowed everyone who rated it like four stars and up. I if if, if no, I'm I'm dead ass. I do not. <laughs> And you're just like, this is this is a good time. I'm about to be digested and shit out into fucking the deepest depths of fucking hell. And I'm having a great time. Just it, it, I, I'm sorry, but it was the worst thing I have ever seen in my fucking life. Like I, I, I hated this actually more than I did Weed and Justice League, even though that has an actual dead body to its name. This was just like, like I, this was r- I'm sorry. What they did with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining was tantamount to rape. I'll I'll shut up now. We can move on. Okay. All right. Okay. I I don't disagree, but we we, we have other. I'm sorry. I'm standing. I'm standing by that. I'm I'm standing by that. I agree with the sentiment. I I think it's a bad movie. I just I just don't think that people are able like the pathways to have that kind of thought aren't in the average person's brain yet. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. It is. You don't. Has, you don't look at obvious, someone the growing outside, up you know, all over like, the Mona Lisa, and you're like, "That's cool." No, it's the, I just... no. It's, it's the same. It's the same kind of thought as like, uh, like in the Nathan Fielder episode where they do like the video of the of the dead dog like talking from heaven. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like people. If you're if you're, in, if you're like just like a a room temperature, like you know, you're you're not someone that thinks about the metaphysics of art. You're not gonna be like, oh. You know, maybe, maybe like using like, like recreating someone in my artistic vision when they have no say to the contrary is bad, actually. Yeah, people, people can really have deeply felt emotional responses to shit that's like incredibly stupid and, uh, to me, like, like derogatorily, uh, like you said, like the talking dead dog, like, to, yeah, there, like there's people like that will just process that totally shop, at face, you know? face value and not I- I- interpret it at any subtextual level to arrive at uh, a negative conclusion. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but like, I, no, I think, I, it, I, just, I think it's bad. I just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's, 
I can't need to ask someone like, for not for not like for not having like <laughs> for not like. Hey, I will. Thing, you know, we got. I will. We got Sorry. Under, I think it's worth asking and trying to understand how this stuff gets made and why it's successful. And um, part of that is like, like that understanding exists. that we. We, as people that would bother to do a podcast about movies and like think critically about this stuff, don't engage with movies the way the average audience goer does because they generally just want to give a movie the benefit of the doubt and have a good time. And they know thinking too hard about it is work and it's not necessarily fun. And their logic is, well, why would I make a movie less enjoyable to myself by thinking too hard about it? <laughs> um. And it's like this is worth bearing in mind sometimes, uh, just for its explanatory uh, value. But uh, moving on, I, I also wanted to talk a bit about how this movie was made, because uh, it, it sort of dovetails with uh, the stuff it's it's sort of addressing or, or set around. And it's that they shot all the all the stuff in virtual reality, which is most of the movie, is shot on a volume. Um, but not a virtual Wait, no set. Way. It was just like a white void, like THX one one three eight, I guess. And um, it was all mocapped. And because it's just mocapping people on a white void, in order to allow the the cast and apparently Spielberg himself to visualize what the movie would look like, they gave him VR headsets, uh, Oculus Rifts, and um, with uh, mock-ups of what the final 3D sets would look like so they could walk around in them and, and go, oh, wow, that, that's going to be Anorak's castle. Um, which so I just found funny. to be very funny and kind of appropriate for, for what this movie is and what it represents. Um, but they didn't um, hear all the terrible, awful needle drops. That's that's so funny because those, those are like the two worst techno- like Like, you know, people tend to think that like, once these technologies become like consumer grade, that that means that they're really like solved. But the the it, you couldn't be any farther from the truth. Like VR, yeah, th this works. was like near the peak of VR hype. Like the headsets, a bunch of the headsets had all come out. Uh, the the Quest, yeah. the one that's totally standalone, came out the next year. Um, and there's you see the interviews, and there's a lot of uh, speculating. Yeah, VR is VR barely worked. There's like two. There's like two, maybe three good VR headsets. And most of them cost like fifteen hundred dollars each. Uh, Mocap is still not great. Like most people don't know how to composite properly. And then the the volume, it's like there is. I have seen one movie that's good that that used the volume as as technology. Actually, I don't know if Avatar two used the volume. Uh, but yeah, the the twenty twenty two Batman movie uses the volume, and it's like the only time I've ever seen. Uh, the volume used in a way where it's uh, actually, <laughs> actually it is. like, uh, oh, Avatar 2 did use the volume. Yeah, but it does represent this like virtualization of the filmmaking process where more and more and more you're just you're just making an animated film that's trying not to look animated. Um, but still like using conventional filmmaking techniques for some reason rather than just letting animators animate. Um but it does seem like, you know, like Zemeckis, Spielberg's stuff, like a lot of the boomer directors, I guess, are so, were working in the 70s and 80s, were so frustrated by the limitations of, you know, malfunctioning robotic sharks and location photography that I think they just fell in love with the potential of digital technology to make all those frustrations go away without it's a very, it's a very being human. cognizant of the 
problems with it, which maybe are more obvious if you're someone who grows up with it from scratch and and uh, isn't coming at it from the direction of it being a relief from previous problems. Yeah, it's a very it's a very human feel. Like the same way that like my dad loves like Bluetooth. It's like it, it's dads like Bluetooth love like a, Bluetooth. Dads love. It's objectively a Bluetooth. bad way to pair a phone it to a device. Like. <laughs> You, you it mangles the the you know the streaming from from the phone to anything is always terrible. It sounds uh, like a tin can. It sounds like a tin can. It's awful. The devices like are rarely ever work. Uh, but then you know it's like my dad. His, his hearing aids can Bluetooth connect to like the television or something, and he's like, "Yeah, I live in the future now, basically." And it's it's like and, video games are that way too. Like if you're over yeah. a certain age, just you, you've just, just everything about video games has blown your mind since the PlayStation One came out and it became 3D. Like, so you're just you're not that picky about them, you know? <laughs> yeah, most people most people's graphic tastes are usually centered around like what was the best looking game that came out like right as you started getting into video games. That's why like Zoomers now, or, or I guess more like Gen Alpha, will always fight over graphics because that's what was big. Was like, oh, this game looks five percent better than this game. But then if you're like twenty five, it's like anything that wasn't made on a Wii looks like you know better than sex to you. Yeah, well, I, I just mean like there, 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 there's this idea of what the technology will do. Like there's this because their 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 dreams are framed around the limitations and problems of what came before so they're always going to be chasing this this dragon this ideal like oh if only i could just put the camera wherever i wanted uh, without recognizing the benefits of it or it's it's positive upsides maybe as much um, i think that's the, that's that's sort of the issue uh even though i like those movies with the prequels where there's a couple there's definitely a couple characters in that that could have been done practically and but lucas really wanted to push the technology and, and also he hated was, he hated going out into the fucking desert to try and make a movie so he just wanted to do it yeah. all in a green screen where there's air conditioning is, you is can put admirable. the cameras wherever he wants and do everything yeah and i think i think for those films it works because lucas unlike unlike spielberg who i think did get caught up in the technology lucas was able to be like okay i gotta i gotta draw the line somewhere you know like this can't all be fucking 30, 30 hours of goddamn, you know, shooting in front of a green screen. Like there are practical sets in the Star Wars films, but this, it's like you could tell me that that everything in this movie was shot in an airport somewhere, and I would believe you. Yeah, it. I mean, there's a handful of nice looking sets for a couple parts of the movie that take place in reality, but um, but I, I do guess, think it like mirrors the, the you know, because there's. The, the big dream of all this stuff is just like, wow, imagine a perfectly immersive video game with all your favorite stuff in it. And it, it kind of, that same chimera, that same like weirdly limited fantasy is, is that, that is the, the subject of the film in the text is sort of mirrored in very, the pursuit of this digital technology, which just seems a, to it's take. It's a very like 45 year old guy dream of a video game where it's like, damn, yeah. what if you could die in a video game and like well, it's, your credit score goes down. It's, it's, it's star citizen. You know about star yeah. citizen? Yeah. 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 So for our, for our, like Nicole, do you know about star yeah, citizen? I, I'm making a face that tells you, I don't know what the fuck you're talking uh, about. The lighting's <laughs> a little dim and, and I, I have autism. I can't read facial okay. expressions too good. Um, 
So um, Star Citizen is is this game uh, by Chris Roberts, who uh, worked under Richard Garriott at Origin um, and made Wing Commander, uh, which was a big series of like space flight Star Wars knockoff games um, from the early 90s that were would have been big with the Ernest Klein type guy. And he came back with a Kickstarter in 2012 to make a new game in that style called uh, Star Citizen. And after it, the Kickstarter took off, they started adding all these goals to it till it became this promise of a totally immersive, it will, it'll support VR, totally immersive simulation where you can buy a spaceship and go do anything and be a pirate or a trader and it'll be all simulated and you're a guy Still? in your... Um, Ernest Klein has shouted out Star Citizen on multiple occasions. Oh, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect fucking sense. It's, it's name dropped in one of his books. He's interviewed. He's mentioned it a bunch as a, he's a fan and in, in, in interviews. Uh, God, how did I not you know to it, search that up? Uh, you know what? You know what it is exactly like. It's like the, how the 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 guy who made Snow Crash is really into NFTs. <laughs> but it is like. Like the the actual game as it exists is just like a, a handful of bits and pieces that don't fit together, and and like the engine it's built on will never actually make the game they're promising to make work. The whole thing's kind of a pyramid scheme where they keep selling prom like like JPEGs of spaceships and all this stuff to people to fund the development of the game because they believe someday the full version of the game will come out and they'll get to have all that stuff in it. Uh, yeah, it's never now. happening. But the dream, like these, and people will spend tens of thousands of dollars, not just on a video game, but on the promise of a video game that'll never come out. And the dream of it, the end final dream is that you can just log into this game and have a complete other simulation of reality right down to like meaningful death and jobs and just escape the reality they're in. Yeah, completely the game, and utterly. The game has it is the, the it is ready player one. It's the same thing. It. it does. Yeah, it, it is has literally car insurance because it, it, it has to be a, an escapist fantasy, but it also has to be real enough to feel important and have stakes. I guess so. It's it is like the whole promise of Star Citizen is they'll make Ready Player One real someday, um, and it'll never happen. Like you just all you have to do is look at how it's built and how mismanaged the company is. But they've made like $500 million of the last 10 years selling JPEGs for spaceships that they may or may not eventually put into the totally broken demo version of a game that'll never come out. It's, it's astonishing, but there's a lot of guys out there and they're all, I think mostly like, yeah, like they're like born in the seventies or the eighties or kind of gen X, very old millennial guys who have good enough jobs it. that they can put all this money into this fucking thing that, that live for this dream they're, they're, it's, They could take that $10,000 and go to fucking Italy and Greece and China and Japan and India. Like you could do anything with that money. And their big dream is to just play one video game for the rest of their life. That's so totally immersive that they, they never have to live in the real world again. It's, yeah. And, and that um, game is just a knockoff of star Wars. <laughs> I found a funny picture of him that I want to use somehow in the promotion for this episode. Where he he one he looks like he's high as balls. He 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 has such dead eyes. <laughs> he looks he, look, he, he looks, looks like high as balls, and he's doing like a virtual like like author Q and A or something. That which, looks like which a Tinder honestly, profile picture. 
honestly, like honestly, work. Uh, fucking shout out to him for realizing for like getting the laziest bag possible, which is like author Q and A's, which are just like paid speaking arrangements for nerds. But uh, on top, being so lazy that you don't even do it in in real life, you just do it over like Skype or some shit. That is as one yeah, lazy person to another. I gotta, I gotta salute. Uh, I do want to call him out on the fact that he. It seems like he owns a real DeLorean, which should, yeah, should he does. Be, if you if they auction DeLoreans, there should be. Uh, you should have to sign a contract saying I will. I will not do a bunch of Back to the Future shit with it. Yeah, that should um, be illegal. That's just so embarrassing to do now. And I mean, I, mean, I like Back to the Future. I don't think those movies are that good. Ooh, hot takes today on the pod. They're not. Um, they're not that me, good. Me putting they're, a they're good. They're not that good. Involved in this movie and you saying actually, I don't like them at all. If I'm being honest. Ooh, well, hot I haven't. Takes. I haven't actually watched them since I watched the original. My uncle put it on for my young cousin, and she was just not into it at all. Because if you're if you're born in 2011, the difference between 1985 and 1955 is imperceptible. It's all CRT and, TVs and landline phones. Want to hear something yeah. cute? Um, and uh, and it's just like it's just like oh, it's just it's just Rick and Morty without the shit jokes, you know. What was that, Nicole? Uh, before I even ever watched Back to the Future, my dad, my dad literally, my dad literally like gave like a scene by scene run like summary of the entirety of that movie to me and my little sister on like a drive home from like a, a band gig he played before he even watched the movie he told told me and my sister the entirety of of the movie like even like doing like a mock, mock marty mcfly and like doc impression if i remember correctly um any anyways marty we've got to get back to the, the future. Girl, the girl in that is so hot. Leah Thompson. Yeah. True. Yeah. She, yeah. Fucked, she fucked Howard the Duck not too long after. She. Yeah. There's a movie. There's a movie where she fucks Tom Cruise in it, and it's it's. Uh, I I got like. 80s Tom Cruise was a very attractive man. I'll I'll say that. Oh God! This picture. This picture you just put in voice chat of. He looks so frumpy. He looks this. This is an audio honestly. medium. Uh, yeah, I, I, sorry, I didn't mean. I, to, I know, to but derail. I, I just, I just want to say he looks. He's like built like a Roblox character. So I, I do want to talk about then. Um, if we want to zoom out to just the concept of the the quote unquote pop culture reference, because I think like yeah, intertextuality. Like, there's perfectly. I mean, one, people do talk in pop culture references up to a point. It is this kind of part of life and kind of always has been like, it's just, you know, like all the times people ever quoted the Bible, that yep. was sort of the equivalent of that. We just, yeah. no, people don't read the Bible anymore. So we talk about Star Wars, but, um, highly guilty of it. Not, not quoting the Bible, just making. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so no it's not, yeah, it's not an inherently bad thing. And there's Nicole even like really legitimate Wars. artful ways to invoke other works and incorporate them into characterization and stuff. So I, I like, do we want to talk about how the pop culture references work in this movie or don't? And, and, but also how like th th they could hypothet, like, like the, um, like for me, 
this the 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 Halliday the the guy who the Willy Wonka of VR in this movie, yeah. who we sort of see of flashbacks of and a VR ghost of in in the movie. The the basic idea of like oh there's this guy who was too autistic to relate to other people, and is sort of a slightly tragic figure, um, despite his wealth I guess, and you can sort of characterize him and understand him through his pop culture isn't an inherently bad idea. Like you could make that work if you weren't so in love with revering the pop culture itself to be able to, to look past it and kind of take a critical nuanced lens of like real character development. Yeah. It really, it's, it's such a hard skill to master. There's like maybe 10 guys that can do it and not immediately. Hideo Kojima is one of them. Hideo Kojima. Quinn, and, and even then, most of these people usually have asterisks, asterisks next to their name. Uh, Hideo Kojima is one. Uh, Quentin fucking, Tarantino. Uh, Quentin another. Tarantino is absolutely one. Uh, Grant Morrison is absolutely one. Uh, Alan Moore is yeah, absolutely one. Yeah, I was going to say, one. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's like the, 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 the gallant to the goofus that is Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, all the forty-year-olds that listen to our show are gonna love the gallant and goofus uh, reference. Jim's not gonna appreciate that. Your Look, shout out to Jim. Hi, Jim. Shout out to Jim. Hi, Jim. Uh, I think it speaks to one of the things that's like very stunted about nerd culture and maybe our culture overall is the idea that it, to love something you have to love it like totally, uncritically, and completely. Um, like you can't, you can't recognize that a thing has flaws, be critical of it, uh, be interpretive of it, uh, without hating it. About like, it yeah. yeah. That you can, you can love something and you can straight up just be like, I love this thing. And also it sucks. Like that's totally oh, yeah. doable. And I say that's like human emotion. It's, yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's a necessary part of being an adult is to be able to hold competing thoughts and feelings at the same time. Uh, anyway, sorry, Nicole. That's, that's the most, that's the most human emotion you can have is be like this, this shit is trash. I love it. Um, so what I was going to say, so actually kind of two points um, in, in as, as regards to, you know, like the, the just excessive uh, to, to, to the point of just like monstrosity number of like, pop culture references in the movie at least is like one and and this is just kind of like obvious is most of the things featured in like are are stuff like that are just like ips that warner brothers owns so you know we weren't you're not going to see like fucking mickey mouse running around in the background of of ready player one because that would have meant warner brothers would have had to give disney money um I also a bunch of a bunch of IPs actually turned them down. Uh, yeah, I read something about like um, whoever holds the rights to like Ultraman. I think they like Ultraman. Yeah, it was really yeah, Subar- Subaria Studios. Yeah. They did yeah. something. They yeah, like ran um, out the clock to prevent. They were like, eh, we'll get back. Actually, to Spielberg himself. Spielberg himself was like, you can only you can only pick like a couple of my movies. Yeah, but... he didn't. He I'll give him credit. He didn't want to jerk off his own movies that much, and he really could yeah. have. He he actually asked them he specifically to remove I think a bunch of references. Seeing, to Jaws a guy a guy just walks out into into the climactic bi- battle as like Schindler. 
<laughs> Oscar Schindler. We got we go we we the he's, the final key is up. hidden on Planet Holocaust. He's picking up the coins off the ground. Is like this was a person. And this was a person. Oh my! Jesus I'm sorry. Christ. I'm sorry. Um, but the second thing, um, also kind of just touches upon like something that Quentin Tarantino does um, that you know, I think largely prevents him from falling into that, you know, trap of like, look, it's a, look, it's a, is like the pop culture he will often pull is like some deep cuts. Like one of the things I actually watched um, not too long ago, one of the movies that deeply inspired Kill Bill, uh, specifically uh, uh, Daryl Hannah's character. Uh, oh, remember, uh, yeah. Remember a, a Cruel Picture, which is just this nasty fucking uh Swedish rape revenge film from the early seventies. Um, Vinegar syndrome. Oh yeah, dude. Tarantino's really got deep cuts. Some deep cuts, and and he, he. So like, it's it's a matter also of like just using the most. What what Ready Player One does is using the most like obvious surface level like shit. You know. Yeah, there got, aren't. Like, a lot of deep Except cuts. Except for the crawl, the crawl, like wasn't didn't. I, throw, like, I, I'll admit, crawl? I sort of appreciated that because 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 not a lot of people fondly remember crawl. Um, I think I think more more. It's not that great a movie either. I just Reddit had a soft spot for it. Then. Uh, than people in real. I was like, why is the crawl? Th-? And then I forgot that that's like an epic bacon. Thing. Speaking yeah, of but- Schindler's List, Liam Neeson <laughs> crawl is one of his first movies. He's a, a yeah. very minor character. Okay. In it. Um, um, it's a great, it's a great little dumb ninety minute. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a solid watch. It's, it's, it's I have a real soft spot for eighties fantasy. Also, Tarantino um, just Tarantino just like has autism. He's so funny. Oh, oh yeah, in absolutely. The, uh, <laughs> in, uh, one thing I picked up immediately in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that he figured out like the the movies that were playing like on the days that the movie was had that the movie was taking place. So. Whenever they turn on the radio, there will be radio ads for movies that were playing in Los Angeles in that time period in 1969, like the Illustrated Man uh, film. Oh, he would. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, George Lucas, and James Cameron all like very obviously like autistic film directors. Autistic king. Oh yeah, yeah. And like um, even even George George Lucas. George Lucas like, Star, is Star very Wars autistic. It's <laughs> just one big Flash Gordon reference, but it's like one, it's dressed up enough to not be obvious to people that have that have seen Flash Gordon. But two, it's like nobody under the age of fifty-seven thousand yeah. years old has seen Flash yeah. Gordon anymore. It's like I, it's well, he, he I made Star recently, Wars because he couldn't remake Flash Gordon. Exactly, because um, yeah. it was the the rights were owned by uh, Dino De, and, De Laurentiis, and and that's why the constant Dino. IP remake stuff is so exhausting. Is it's because you know, like all these people did their best work when they had to take a step of removal and remixing yeah. and novelty from the thing they liked, and like Indiana like again, Jones. like great great artists steal, but it's it's better to steal and cloak it, and in the process develop some novel element of it than it is to oh, just yeah. flatly go, Oh, look, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's Blade Runner again. The easiest, we're, we're the going easiest to planet way, Blade Runner. In fact, I, I can, I can sort of see how this novel came about because the easiest way to make a stone cold banger 
is to just steal from enough stuff that it then becomes original onto itself. You sort of yeah, like like you 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 make a ship of of thesis or or Thucius or whatever uh, out of essentially like IP. For example, uh, Warren Ellis's planetary is just like it's like what if Doc Savage and the Fantastic Four and the Shadow and it's like it becomes original because you've stolen from so many things. And I think that that was the thought process that this guy Ernest Klein had. But he was like, he's too stupid to figure that out. So he's like, no, these things are just going to be references. Max well, Landis did something similar where he would describe all his films as like, oh, Ma- this yeah. Plus oh, this. God, Max you know, Landis. His Max pitch, Landis is the line. millennial Ernest Klein. Um, yeah, the, the, the pitch, the pitches that he would hit always had always had a log line that was like, oh, it's it's, you know, it's the shining meets like Solaris or something like that. And. It's like well, er- Ernest Klein's like original idea was he says this right in a, one of the quotes I have is just what if Willy Wonka but video games? Yeah, exactly. That is that it is it is a tr- it is the cheat code to Hollywood pitching where if you can describe your thing as a thing plus a thing, it then becomes imminently more. Uh, oh yeah, because uh, they all just want appealing a shorthand yeah. for like because because they're because because for a lot of these guys, I mean. I th- there are movie producers that like care about movies whether or not they're good at it is a different thing, but more and I, it always, and especially now, I think a lot of them are just like, it's just another product. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's chocolate and peanut I butter. Okay. If, that sounds like a winning smart, combination. I think if you're smart, you start off at this incredible story and then you work your way into boxing it into a thing for a producer. But the problem is they teach the, they teach everyone the other way around where it's like, you yeah. come up with, with thing plus a thing, and then you make the movie around it, and not like you make Star Wars, and then you're like, oh yeah, it's like it's it's Flash Gordon and Conan the Barbarian or whatever. Yeah, and, and like, this well, is in, in actuality, it's a million different other things. But this is just another step in the direction of of doing away with that process, that that novelty and in 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 artistry introducing process of remixing or cloaking or combining, where you just flatly just. Well, look, it's 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 what if the Iron what what if Gundam yeah. fought Mecha, Mecha Godzilla? Where did, did, exactly. did you know? Um, but I have another quote from Ernest Klein that I dug up um, that I want to read here um, that I think kind of speaks to the the creative motivations at work and the mindset of the people that make this kind of stuff. Uh, what if it was What if it was Ernest Ezra Klein and what does Ezra <laughs> Klein do? Wasn't what did Ezra Klein do? Is he the NPR? Is he on NPR? Is that what he does? I think so. Yeah, actually, I thought for a second, I thought he was the the guy from Vampire Weekend. No, that's. Uh, oh, maybe that's no, Ezra Klein, and I'm yeah, thinking of Ezra, Ezra Koenig. Klein. Yeah, or, that's no, Ezra, Ezra Klein. Ezra Klein is is like a guy, like a Matt Iglesias, like Vox guy. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the other one. He is literally the other Vox guy. Is it is is it Ezra Koenig? That's it is. Ezra yeah, Koenig. yeah, that was what I was yeah. thinking. Of, um, I don't even know any Vampire Weekend songs. I couldn't even make. What a about jo- Ezra oh, wait, Pound? No, I know Pound? Yeah. Um, Ezra but Pound. Here, I've got an, an Ernest Klein quote here. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I'm a testament to what happens when you celebrate the things you love, kind of unabashedly. When I wrote Ready Player One. It was like building a bonfire or a searchlight announcing, here's what I love and here's why I love it. And don't you love it too? And by doing that, I've managed to draw the very people who inspired me to write the story to collaborate with me. They say, be bold and 
Okay, sorry. They say, be bold and powerful forces will come to your aid. And that's what happened. So this guy is just... Kick just, me like, sign just on that. the back of, it, back of himself. Just, uh, just here's a list of all the things I like. And other people like them. And yay, we all like them. Give this, uh, give this man a wedgie, please. I, I, I almost respect this guy for no, just no, just don't. seeing a moment and then just fucking chasing it, dude. It's like, you know that Wayne Gretzky quote where it's like you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take? This guy was like, fuck it, I'm taking 100 shots at once. You know, he was like, he he, he saw that it's like, all right, this metaverse shit or this, this you know, meta, meta fiction stuff is is hot right now in 2011, especially in sci-fi fiction. Uh, and then swish and then sort of led the drive again with the metafiction stuff towards the end of the 2010s, early 2020s. And now all by, by now, all of this has completely exploded because his second, his second and third books bombed. Yeah. Uh, his, but, and, and, and movies, metaverse movies, uh, and multiverse movies are, are, over it's done with you know the flash uh, we'll, made we'll 80,000 negative I, trillion dollars yeah but uh i mean we'll see i do think like like it makes sense that this stuff blew up because it is such a shortcut and it's such a way like for wb i think they're looking at this and space jam 2 and it's like well we don't have marvel but we can make an mcu just out of all the shit we own exactly um, and then, uh, it, but I think it, 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 it the novelty it came out two years earlier. Yeah, but I think with mass audiences, as much as that idea might be novel and exciting, so it's like, oh, I've never seen a movie that would do this like fan fiction Smash Brothers type shit. Never thought I'd see that in a movie. But then once you do, it's like, oh, so I, I don't think it has any staying power. Um, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> That'd be a real blow to my faith in humanity if it did but um no it's kind of it's kind of funny how over it is it's like because it, it it died in novels definitely. around around the 2020s and then it it, it really you know, it it was like in few... novels like there's like a oh, yeah, dude, novel fucking... from the 70s or early 80s well, that i think that's the thing is like, in, like the, in the in the late 2010s it was so because you had like you had people rediscovering snow crash you had this book coming out you had you know fucking uh uh, all of the it, it was it was sort of the thing to do like a multiverse story. I uh, see. I I don't read much, or am in in tune even with like recently published fiction. So I had no idea that yeah, this was no, a dude, trend. Like, I mean, <laughs> there. I, I think that the yeah that that was the thing for a while in in science fiction, and it was only for like three or four years. But uh, that was because it, it's easy for YA writers to write because they're like, oh, it's like slash fic, but for yeah, but for whatever I'm doing, you know, the biggest and, hacks writing for the dumbest people, and it, it it just it it tore through its own oxygen so fast because uh nobody again because you got shit like Ready Player One where it's like I'm just watching a a, a guy name things that he knows for 300 pages and, yeah you know Ready Player One did well but like by the time the guy's next book came out it was really only popular with his fans he um he 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 really got sunk by GamerGate uh Gage oh, that yeah that. Oh. That and then like that, that made of, all the people all that write articles becoming... about books decide that it was all toxic masculinity. Yeah, what? that and then they like right. in sci-fi literature, it's like the new hotness just became like, all right, we're we're giving up on any pretense and we're just becoming fan fiction now. The only thing you can write is like 
what if an astronaut fell in love with an alien? That's it. That's the only thing you can write, and it has to be secretly about Kylo Ren. It, uh, it is. It is really funny, like how much the nerd culture changed a lot over the 2010s because uh, hacks and corporations noticed that women like nerd shit too. Finally, it is yeah. so bad, dude. Yeah, it is so bad. Um, the only like the look only at like what like look at like what happened to Dungeons and Dragons after Critical Role and stuff. It's like now it's it's like a thing for girls and Dungeons and Dragons is all about complex. yeah. Uh, all of the all of the science fiction for for uh for like like written by left wing people are like, dude, what if uh what if you know you you fell in love with Kylo Ren, but he was a he was Martian Manhunter or whatever, and you were the scientist. <laughs> and then all the fan fiction or all the all the science fiction for right wingers is just them angry that they put a black woman in Star Wars, so they publish yeah. their Star Wars fan fiction. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's been like a trend now since um, Fifty Shades of Grey came out, or actually even yeah. Twilight. I think technically is where you 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 write fan fiction and then you file the serial numbers off and release it as original fiction. Yeah, yeah, yep. it makes Which, so much money because it's got it's got a baked in audience. It's got uh, you know you're you're it's 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 able to become a fandom of uh, onto its own. It's 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 like grafting a fandom onto a, off of a different fandom. Yeah. And that's cause that's what so much of this stuff is, 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 is not trying to build an audience or not writing, making something you care about first and foremost, and then hoping an audience exists for it is it's figuring out who the audience, I mean, it's, I mean, this has always been a part of entertainment is those, those people who just go, what are the existing audiences? What do they already like? And can I pander to it? Yeah. Just working backwards. You know, you know it's, seems you know, commercial. it's bad when I'm like, I'm thinking about the premise of 50 shades of gray and I'm like, you know what? Her spinning that off of Twilight was a good idea. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the vision here. I'm like, you know what? I see it. And Twilight, it's a business the, the, Protean, of Grey. the Protean form of Twilight was Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan fiction. Exactly. And and it's like I'm looking. I'm. I I think E. L. James or whatever the fuck her name is was, was might have been cooking because it's like Robert Pattinson was the best Batman. And Batman is basically just the Fifty Shades of Grey guy. And it's like, you know what? Maybe she cooked. Like, we we don't even need to do an episode on that movie. We can just clip every episode, like every episode since you joined (laughs) the show, and stitch the clips together into an episode about that movie. It would be (laughs) four hours long. That is going to be our horniest episode ever when we get to that. It is just going to be me and Cole, like, like ping-ponging back and forth trying to see like who can out horny each other i dude i've been i've been jonesing for that film like a heroin addict i bought a physical (laughs) copy and i've just been staring at it i want to watch it so bad but it's also like i know if i don't watch it for like a year and a half from and then we get to the podcast it'll hit so much harder because i haven't seen it in like two years now okay so i've i've got an idea for you i think it's a really exciting interesting novel premise there's a lot of thematic depth here uh a lot of real literary merit i think it's very exciting i think it'll excite you what if batman met spider-man i think that would be bad actually i think (laughs) there there was actually a quote tweet there was a quote tweet going around on twitter there was it was kind of funny uh, where it was like, what if, what if like Batman and Spider-Man traded cities? And it's like that, that would be, I, that would be police brutality. Like that would be, that would be unfair <laughs> to the Green Goblin is pitting him against Batman. Like, 
And that's why the new movie is so great because it's like it's kind of scary. I I when I saw that movie, well, and it, any it's good, scary I think in a any good way. Batman media has to embrace the gothic element. That's like the thing that makes Batman interesting, like visually and tonally I different saw it, from others. My theater has surround sound, and I was right underneath the speaker. And there's a scene where he revs the Batmobile's engines to intimidate like all the penguin goons. I, and like I, I felt like I, it was like I did poppers. Like it was. Oh God, <laughs> your, your was, asshole it, I was, was like fluttering. I got scared, dude. I got I got actually like 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 a fear boner. It was the it was the <laughs> scariest thing, dude. I was like, holy shit! Like this movie is so good. It's it's. I, I'm I'm thinking I might watch all the behind the scenes because I bought I bought the Blu-ray. I bought the. This is the only physical copy of a movie that I've bought since I think since like Akira or something, uh, and I bought I bought the Blu-ray specifically so that I could get access to the to the DVD features because I was like I want to know I want to know more about what they were cooking because this is the guy that made the the shitty Planet of the Apes pre- prequel movies that would come on Those on like FX. Right. At like three o'clock, and I would be like, you know what? That's fine. You know, it's like, but then it's like, but, um, okay, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, Batman hold on a minute. Uh, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, uh, the the movie sucks. Watch something else. Which I think had, yeah, I, think I saw let's, Batman let's, in there somewhere when we were watching. This, yeah, they have the yeah, Injustice Batman in there because a lot of a lot of the a lot of the Western characters just used whatever the most recent model they had. You know, that's why the. Uh, for example, they have Tracer from Overwatch, and that's just the Overwatch Tracer. They just straight up took the assets <laughs> from yeah, other they things. Yeah, just took yeah. the assets and then just scaled them up because it's like we have to do this for eighty-seven thousand characters. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I noticed they had like an true. entire gaggle of Master Chiefs running. Yeah, around exactly. In it's there like at they got they, they probably got a sick deal on those Master Chiefs, dude. It's like we they had like you know leftover models from some E three trailer or something. They're like, all right, just yeah. The the FMV cuts scene that announced yeah. Halo Four or something. Um, so do we? Those uh, were always really good. I, I we we yeah, touched on it, it briefly. Do we want to talk about the Iron Giant thing? Because that just is sort of emblematic of um, completely misses the point of the Iron Giant. Uh, let's move on. There, but uh, yeah, no, you can elaborate. It's so it's, funny that they yeah. they check off the entire giant. Not only the Iron not Giant, only yeah. they, the Iron Giant. Not only do they reduce him to essentially a gun in the film's plot, but then they also reduce him into a gun in like the metaphysical sense of like. You know, we have to we have to show that this is the ultimate weapon. That like this is the best thing ever, but it's not. Yeah, and it's yeah, it it is. Yeah, it's because in if anybody knows that film, which like is a a children's cartoon from the turn of the century, that was a big part of my childhood. Anyway, I might do the the whole. It is a good movie. The whole point of the movie is the Iron Giant is a robot that was sent to conquer Earth by aliens. And he decides instead he'd actually because that movie does the pop culture reference thing because he's reading Superman comics with the, the little boy yeah, character. That's the only and he's scene like, that I, would, I like in Space Jam too is that they that he meets Superman and he just like he's he's essentially just like Superman's like dapping him up. Uh, I was like, okay, you guys paid attention to the Iron Giant because uh, he he and it's like part of his thing is like he wants to be a hero. He doesn't want to be a weapon. He 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 he, he he embrace he takes agency over himself against didn't, his didn't constructed Brad purpose of being a war machine. 
Didn't and, Brad Bird's sister get like killed in a like a shooting or something, and that was why he? I maybe I think there is something I, tragic I, I, he's, there. I, he's like he's super he's super anti like anti firearms in general. Like the Mission yeah. Impossible film that he did doesn't have any guns in it used by the protagonist. I think he's like even the like Tomorrowland they don't have any real guns in it. It's all just like fake ray guns. But uh. uh but uh, the the move the this movie and again and again like I could see like in a strictly literal sense like some nerd in the computer game doing this but like the movie just makes it such a like oh it's epic it's the, your buddy the Iron Giant and it just yeah it makes the Iron Giant into a machine that's just piloted by another character to be used for combat and it's just such a direct contradiction of the themes of the character that it's just very. Uh, it, it it says like what happens when you use these pop cultural references without any sense of context or, I just or found their original out something meaning. even weirder about the iron giant that the original book that the movie is based on is written by Sylvia Plath's husband. Yes. Wait, what? You didn't know that? No, no. it's actually yeah, like he, him coping with his wife's suicide. Yeah. Yeah. What? He wrote it, he wrote it right ki- after he, he wrote it for his kids to help help them deal with After she her, put her killing herself head in the oven and then yeah. the who turned it into Holy a concept shit. album wait the who turned it i didn't know about that yeah pete Townsend. whoa uh, <laughs> dude fuck i might watch the iron giant tonight yeah fuck do, that. do that the uh, i i read a summary of the children's book and it's very different uh very very different um they're pretty much unrelated things. The the book and the movie. Apparently, the uh, story about the the story about his sister. He's not the anti gun. I have no idea why. I thought that uh, maybe was, you know what. Right, this was one of those like internet wise. urban legends that gets around yeah. that nobody ever fact checks. Just because you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's so sad. That's what um, I need the 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 the, the fact check people. Of the community notes is to. I like, like, no, I like community not. notes. I, I think I <laughs> hope Blue Sky gets community notes. Actually, they, they should. Th- there should be a guy on the community notes for Twitter whose entire job is to just be like, "No, Ash was not in a coma during during the entirety of Pokemon. <laughs> no, no Dex- Dexter's Lab is not about like coping with your family dying in a car crash or something." But oh like, god, the the epic fan theory yeah. thing for that stuff. Is, it, those are all so goddamn stupid. <laughs> that should be all what community notes is. For. And that guy should be like the John Wick of community notes where they only Ed, Ed and Eddie are that. not in fact in hell. Yeah. Uh so uh Nicole, do you have any other uh no, any other I things you want to talk about, about this movie? No. Uh, Cole, I don't want to give this other... I don't want to give this another word. It's no. not worth it. Other, well, other right. than, or, other than yes, please. Please, because I'm gonna start making death threats if we go any any longer. I I, I have I'm one thing Giant, to um dude. To, I've never uh, seen it. It's so good. Uh, okay, do you have like, do you have any like final thoughts? I guess then, because I, I, I do have some like concluding uh, thoughts on the movie before we end up. I, I think that I think that if anyone was doing a Spielberg like uh, retrospective or like watch through and they wanted to skip this movie, I would. They would be completely within their rights to do that, especially when the next two films are his best of the twenty of the the two thousand. Uh, period in general honestly like his, this entire century is uh pretty much dominated by the fact that he like back to back almost came out with uh his two best films yeah steven spielberg's a land of contrasts he i again i was like he he had that dog in him 
Like, like, like the contrast between an older man and a little boy. Well, you should watch. Okay, I, cut I, that. That's, you should watch. <laughs> no, keep it in. <laughs> keep it in. You should watch the Fablemans because it's like uh, actually uh, cut. Cut this also. He's so he's so mal. He is. So- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen. I've I've been meaning to watch. I heard there's like some doing this like a gay boy. Oedipal shit going on in there. Too. There's some Oedipal shit going on in there. There's some like I want like my parents like my mom and her. Oh, holy shit. And this and, is uh, real. And it's it's related to the story that you were telling about the camping moving trip. Movie movie trip. Yeah. You know, where he would he would it's it's literally that is what he's talking about. Is there's a an instance and I don't know if this is actually real or something he made up for the film, but there's a scene where like they they like they turn they turn off all the lights on the campground except for the headlights of the of the car and then his mom like dances in front of the headlights and like a like a nightgown or whatever for like Oh, spoiler. Yeah, I I want to watch that. It's the I, when it first came out, I was just like, "Oh man, he's just sucking himself off no, now." And then that's, everything the, the I've heard about it since is like, "Holy shit." The funniest thing about that is that the the the, the movie like essentially it essentially baits you into thinking that it's going to be like the like that like it's going to be super nostalgic and uh self-masturbatory and then literally doesn't do it until the last two minutes of the movie like so it's like edging the entire the entire film is just spielberg getting shit on and us realizing like oh this guy was like a loser like his life kind of sucks and he made movies to like cope with the fact that he was like the most boring guy ever well that's uh, you know what actually that raises an interesting point i I did uh, read a collider article where someone mentioned this in that the halliday character the guy who made the oasis is like obviously ernest klein's self-insert in the book but i think he's spielberg's self-insert in the movie the same way richard hammond is in jurassic park and jurassic park is really just a good version of i think spielberg uh, hates himself I genuinely think Spielberg hates himself because even in the scene where it's like him getting called up to work at uh, ABC or NBC or whatever, and he meets like like uh, uh, John Ford. Even then, John Ford's like, "You're an idiot. You, you'll you'll never be as good as me. You'll like never know anything. Like you know, fucking, I'll depart with you like one brief like glimpse into my inside, and it'll change you forever." Uh and it's just shitting on him. And then it's like the movie kind of plays it as like he's right. This like kind of blew my mind is that the the most like successful commercial filmmaker in the last half century yeah. got the like most the 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 least commercial notable American filmmaker the last half century, uh David Lynch to be in his movie. Yeah, and, apparently and play they're that friends. Role. Apparently yeah. they're friends. And well, I like, you know, I believe him. I believe it because I think that Spielberg genuinely hates himself and hates all of his successful film. I think that he, he, it, it is funny to imagine like, Steven Spielberg sitting at home being like, damn, I will never make anything as good as Inland Empire. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, know. No, dude, I, I genuinely believe it because he taught like there's, there's the Fablemans is a, fin- a fascinating film. Please go watch the Fablemans. 
Uh, if this makes it and, into and the episode, I'm begging you on my hands and knees. I, like, I honestly, I, this was your watch something else. I, I it's got me <laughs> yeah. thinking, like, because reading some of the interviews with this movie stuff, it got me thinking, like, at some point down the road when we've got an opportunity, when the opportunity presents itself, it might be interesting to just like do just just like a a a, a just a what's the deal with Steven Spielberg. Uh, I think he, he hates himself. I genuinely believe it, or at least he's like strongly self-critical and and doesn't like the fact that he's successful because the only time that he's ever happy in that movie is when he's making things that like nobody is going to watch with his friends. And then the minute it becomes anything else other than that, he hates it. It ruins his life. It's awkward. It's too intimate. Uh, like the, the anytime he has to like. Uh, like uh sort of autorize in any way it's like it's painful for him uh at one point there's essentially a scene where he uses the fact that like uh that that film can be like transformative and and that like to essentially self cuck himself uh by like portraying his bully as this like golden god in this in this it's just an amazing film. I, d- I don't want to talk too much about it because I'll just talk about the whole goddamn yeah, movie. Yeah, but I, I think it's yeah, relevant because this this movie is sort of Steven Spielberg at his worst, but I think maybe it it does reveal things about his his nature as a yeah. filmmaker and his and his motives. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense because he'd been trying to make this movie since the 90s. In fact, he had uh, the whole the reason Fable why... Yeah, the Fableman. Yeah, because I meant Ready Player One. Like, no, no, is, not Ready. Is, yeah. I think uh, no, I revealing think, I think, I if you can read reason, between the lines of it. I think the reason why the Fablemans was his next big project after after the you know he did West Side Story, which was a smaller production, but the next big touchstone Spielberg was about himself and why he feels compelled to do this this kind of stuff was because he he saw the reception of Ready Player One and he saw what cinema had become in response to that. And he was like, I have to, I have to say something, you know, I, I do uh, have a, a quote from him in another interview where he is like frustrated with the, the consolidation into just like toner making like one $250 million movie instead of yeah. making like 10 more interesting, personal, passionate movies. Like I, I do have a quote from him somewhere saying pretty much that, like he's not happy with it. the way this is all gone. Um, I, I believe it. it really feels like he's trying to like salvage whatever he can and sort of just rip off the studios for however much he can get. Cause he like signed on and got like a hundred million dollars to do that, to just produce that Indiana Jones film to essentially just like rubber stamp his name on it. Yeah. And he's just like, Oh yeah, it's good. It'll be fine. James Mangold's okay. I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go over here and like make a movie about how like my mom like it is it is the most awkward goddamn movie because the the whole reason the the script is actually written by lawrence kasdan's son and the whole reason that uh part part of the reason why he specifically chose him was because uh lawrence kasdan was someone that he would like confide in while lawrence kasdan was working on empire strikes back and and he was over at amblin you know there'd be yeah they would be talking to each other about like this because that was like you know he was lawrence kasdan was working on with george lucas on what would become like essentially the first studio action blockbuster of the you know because star wars was made in a, essentially in a garage and jaws was was thought it was going to be a critical failure and star wars 2 
Yeah. Yeah. This... Well, please. Yeah, yeah, I still have to give I have three watch something else's and you guys spent 20 minutes talking about the Fablements. I'm sorry. I don't even know how long we've been going. We've been going almost as long as the film. We're almost at two hours. My concluding thoughts on the film, uh, briefly, I want to read a quote and then uh, we can uh, do our watch something else. So this will take a couple and of minutes. And this goddamn thing and cleanse this fucking All house. Right. I just, so... I think at the end of the day, the the movie and especially the book are very, um, and I, I feel like people get mad at me for uh, for for using theory bullshit. Uh, they're very capitalist realist uh, works. They suggest that there is no future. There's not only no changing our society in terms of political economy. You know, capitalism just persists and gets worse. Private ownership is eternally consolidated. Uh, the the neither the film nor the book ever really question whether or not one person should own the virtual reality everybody lives in and depends on. It's just oh maybe the person who owns it should like be a nerd who uses it for good. Um, a, 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 but it also suggests that there's no future for culture that we can never try it like we can never do better than the movies we grew up with. We 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 can never make better movies, better art. We can, all we can ever do is just rehash what came before, but worse or make sequels to it that were just kind of, uh, stuck in this mausoleum of the late 20th century that, that, that we just have to maintain and and revere and and can't escape. If I could step in, uh, I loved that at the end of the film, they just split the Oasis among them. I, I genuinely thought that the message was going to be like, Oh, you know, VR transformative experiences should be for the people, for everyone. And like the guy, because they have the, the whole thing with Simon Pegg's character where oh, he essentially talks wig. about like, yeah, yeah they, they talk about how like the worst thing he ever did was like consolidate his company down to himself. And so I assumed like, oh, the film is going to at least have a decent message, which is like these kind of transformative spaces where people can exist however they want. Uh, shouldn't be marketized whatsoever shouldn't be owned by any corporation but it's like no the message actually is that it should just be owned they, by like a sh- corporation that's that's like you know they should be owned by nerds who understand yeah. the power of friendship and not uh empty suits um yeah it but at least you know in, in the movies. movie they turn it off on tuesdays and thursdays to make people go outside and touch grass and that's more than the book manages but <laughs> i love i love that the the uh the excuse for that being is literally just so he can get pussy yeah and doesn't but, have uh, to, like, here I, doesn't have to moderate the forums and delete i want the to uh of n-words that... <laughs> i want to conclude Could you imagine here? how many n-words get said per hour in the oasis <laughs> That'd be funny if that was like the leaderboard. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I want to quote um, uh, Alex Nichols in the outline writing in 2017 uh, about the book a bit before the movie came out uh, here to conclude. Uh, Halliday's hologram hints that he may have some flaws, but Klein fails to explore them in any real sense. He couldn't anyway. Halliday's flaws are Ready Player One's flaws and Ernest Klein's flaws. If Ready Player One became self-aware, it would cease to exist. Nearly every one of Ready Player One's faults is a direct result of Klein's authorial narcissism. So that's uh, that's it. That's Ready Player One. It's just the worst kind of fucking nerd with no imagination of his own jerking himself off 
writing just a terrible book, just even at the level of basic prose. And he got to meet Steven Spielberg and get a billion dollars uh, and fresh pussy out of it. He got everything he ever wanted. Yeah, actually, I love I love that he. I love that, like, literally, like, right after the the book gets, like, a year or a half after the book gets released, he's like, time for a new bitch. Oh, yeah, his his wife and then the woman he left his wife for are both in the special thanks at the end of the book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was like, gotta get me some new pussy. Dude, nerds love doing that shit. Like... <laughs> That's some project. And and shit. both both of the the woman he, his origin his his ex wife and his current wife are both also Austin slam poets. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's an Austin professor, I think. And then that poetry. too, yeah, yeah. But uh, Nicole, the, I I think you're she's quite the professor ex of slam. Ready to uh, do your watch something the, else? The, the and... woman would like to speak <laughs> if she can. Uh, yeah, no, I got this was. Again, to reiterate, one of the fucking worst things I have ever fucking seen in my life. I okay. I could easily live without have seeing a single frame of it. Um, so I, I got three good ones. If you want to watch a, a a better WP W WP WBIP fest, uh, can't do any better than the climax of uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which I rewatched on the bus back uh, from Portland, Maine, where I went and celebrated my uh, birthday uh, last week. Uh, childhood favorite. Uh, had a huge fucking grin on my face the entire time. I fucking love Pee Wee. Uh, I, I, I thought don't you were going to say did... Space Jam 2 for a second. No. No, we <laughs> had that. that... Cool, we had that, that really conversation no, already. No, I know, but that would be really funny if, like, you liked Space Jam 2 more than this movie, specifically only because it has a devil's reference in it. No, they are, they are equally as abominable. Um, so second, you'd be like, at least, at least fucking the Space Jam guy, you know, Don Cheadle or whatever. No, that was, that was awful. That was awful. <laughs> um, second, I'm going to recommend, uh, as a real insightful and intimate look at internet communities of gamers and sort of the atomization of our current late capitalist society uh we're all going to the world's fair uh great movie uh a lot of people probably not vibe with it it has a very slow uh pace very very different i think than what a lot of people expected when it was first making like the rounds and festivals i really love it i'm really looking forward to jane schoenbrunn's uh next movie uh depending on when and if that'll put on hbo I think it, I think it's on HBO Max. Um, yeah, I, I no, they, did, so. they cleaned up with high, that, which is always high. Great high see. Highly recommend. That's a it's a it's a really beautiful movie anchored by uh, a really amazing, incredible performance. Short, by Anna short film heads up a million. Uh, and the last, technically, last two films I'm gonna recommend. I've been keeping these in my back pocket for like, uh, imagine like a like. They're like encased in a glass that says break in case of an emergency. And this was a fucking emergency. Uh, if you want your brain to leak out of your ears in a, a good way about with uh, internet induced like dialogue and psychosis, uh, watch Center Jenny or I Be Area by Ryan Tree Carton. And Miguel, I'm just going to have you, uh, if you can clip in uh, literally any any uh, little bit of dialogue from Center Jenny right here, and we can have our audience just make the fuck what they want about that. I'll finish it. <laughs> ah. That is one of the most amazing apprentices of the classes I teach. You are a sexy teacher. Yeah, sexy teacher. 
So those, uh, all of those are, are, are come highly recommended for me. Uh, stay far, far, far fucking away from ready player one. Don't look at it. Don't say it. It, it goes by like bye-bye man rules. Don't, don't say it. Don't think it. Don't, don't spray it. Don't smell it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. all right. And you. <laughs> well, uh, or yeah, who's you? You know, uh, uh, Cole, you go first. Uh, I mean, the fable. Spent twenty oh, minutes okay. talking about the fable. Yeah, I guess so that's a given. Good. All right. It is uh, so good. And then, I'm like, actually gonna say, want, like, like, IP sludge. Just read, like, fucking. Uh, I don't know. Read any Grant Morrison just, comic that's actually read, like, fucking Seven Soldiers of Victory or something. I was gonna say, actually, yeah, for the the good version of this read uh, that's done all with uh, public domain nineteenth century characters, uh, read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and I was gonna say watch uh, AI in terms of twenty first century Spielberg. I think that's I rewatched that for the first time since I was a kid. I think that movie is actually pretty great. Uh, Blends its CGI and its practical effects uh, very well. but so that's uh, that's Ready Player One. That's the movie that noted sci-fi hack John Scalzi uh, described in the uh, pull quote in the opening page as a nerdgasm. Ugh. Wait, John Paulsey. You should be shot on sight for using that term. Paulsey. I'm sorry. Isn't that the guy who was just getting dragged for that awful dialogue? Hold on. Yeah, he won an award for writing just the just like an ultra turbo. So I need a better word. Yeah, than sorry, but, is, it, uh, is it palsy book. like cerebral palsy? Scalzi, Scalzi, Scalzi. He's one of yours, Scalzi. Nicole. He's an he's an Italian. Oh, gee, dude, his, his, yeah. his I don't Google claim photo, him. His I'm Google also photo, Irish. Thank you very the, much. Uh, he's doing the like they're all Catholic and, and some other shit in there. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's also one Irish. of those guys. Um, Scottish in me, but uh, yeah. Uh, so that's it. Oh, you know what? We've got let's, to thank our patrons. Let's thank our patrons. Oh, is this, wait, is, is John Scalzi's wife bad? Hold on. I have no idea. Special thanks, uh, John Scalzi's wife. <laughs> uh, just, well, well. Damn, dude, he is, he is definitely pulling above his weight, dude. What the fuck? Okay, well, while well, well, you do that, I'm going to thank our, uh, our, so far, all of our July patrons. Uh, thank you to, <laughs> I, I like this name. Uh, John, World Streetest JoJo Enjoyer, uh, AS, and I just like that uh, that person uh, as their like Avi. It's it's the picture of uh, uh, Michel Foucault like doing the like with his hands on the side of his hands, like whoa. Uh, Andy f- finally giving us money. <laughs> thank you, Andy. Uh, Canticling and Miles Thomas. Uh, thank you guys all. Uh, uh, we haven't determined what we're gonna do uh, when we reach. Uh, we're we're well past like a hundred and sixty dollars now, which is amazing. So I don't know. Yeah, thank you all so much. It's, eventually, you've been wonderful to us, and but... we hope we can keep bringing you uh, worthwhile uh, stuff, good stuff. Anything else? Anything anybody wants to no, shill before we end the episode here? Uh, uh, Nicole, you good arts fuse stuff? Um, I mean, I just got a. Um, I got this picture of John Scalzi that I just put in the voice deck. <laughs> I I I uh, I guess my latest review went up last week on Lynn Shaw's, uh, coincidentally by the guy who directed the People versus uh, George Lucas. Um, I oh, I enjoyed God. it. 
I enjoyed it. There's a really great uh, like 15 minutes uh, of John Waters just like talking about David Lynch and how they're both inspired by like the Wizard of Oz that I really enjoyed. Um, honestly, I'm still trying to figure out sort of like what the rules are in terms of like or, or what the sort of job critics should be taking as far as like the strike goes um in terms of like is this promoting content is this crossing the picket line so uh, i'm gonna figure that out before i do any more reviewing but that's yeah go go check that out there's a picture of me dressed as dorothy uh in the article that's like really cre- really cute so oh that'll that'll get the pointers Oh no, don't no, don't look at it in a gross way. Please, no. My dad did my hair for me. He tried his best with his fat wait, fucking his fat fucking drummer fingers. Oh my god. Wait. What is the picture? It's a it's a picture of me. I used to okay, so I used to like I used to watch The Wizard of Oz all the fucking time. Oh wait, is and I I the way you said it, I, I thought start- it was a recent picture. No, no. Oh, never like mind. Me. Cut that. This is like three-year-old me. This is oh, like fuck. Cut that. Me. Cut that. I thought that, I thought that you had dressed up as Dorothy with the Wizard of Oz like last week. Uh, no. Okay. I, I literally had the V for Vendetta <laughs> jokes in the chamber, dog. No, this is literally oh, like three-year-old me. Was... <laughs> this is me as a three-year-old, you disgusting perverts. Well, I didn't say I was. Oh, my God. All right, cock that gun sound effect. On that note, thank you everybody for listening. We will see you again uh, in two weeks. To what are we watching next? Oh God, Uh, what are we watching next? I I think we're finally on to Infinity War, aren't we? Oh no! (laughs) Oh no! We'll see you next. We're on to the big one, the big, the big, the big purple, the big purple man movie. And uh, check out oh, our Patreon. God. Our first Cole and Nicole episode on Ken Russell will be uh, on the, the Patreon the Devils, uh, yeah. shortly. Coming, coming, coming by the end of the month. Coming soon. All right. John, uh, John Scalzi has a bacon section on his website. <laughs> a bacon section? This is so goddamn Oh, good Reddit. lord. This is the most Reddit thing I've ever This guy fucking seen. sucks. <laughs> Look at it in his face. And on that note, uh, on that note, I think that's the end of the episode. Thanks again, everybody for listening. You have yourself a great, whatever time it is. Uh, Movies are dead. Long live movies. Bye. Jim's not going to appreciate that. Look, Shout out to Jim. Hi, Jim. Shout out to Jim. Hi, Jim.